Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop, and I'm joined today by a full disclosure friend and wonderful guest, the Glasgow-born, Toronto-based Gail McGuinness. Gail has worked in the fashion industry for over 20 years with a focus on managing and promoting entrepreneurs and performers. She is the owner of publicity agency Magnet Creative Management and co-owner of the exclusive fashion showroom Stylist Box. Her in-depth views and opinions in the world of style is often called upon for various television appearances and interviews as an expert in her field, including CBC News, Global TV's The Morning Show, CTV News, The National Post, Globe and Mail, and many, many more. Thanks so much for being here, Gail. Thanks so much for having me. Now, before we get into our discussion on dressing celebrities in the red carpet, can you please share with me a moment where fashion changed your life, where you were really aware of fashion as a key influence for you? For me, it probably was, um, I was a huge Kylie Minogue fan. Um, I probably was 11. This would be 1987. Love. And she was an actress in a very popular soap opera called Neighbours, um, which was a huge hit in the UK at the time. And uh, she started her uh, pop music career. And from the moment, just seeing her music videos and just how she was dressing, I, w- I wanted to wear what, what she was wearing. And of course, you know, I'm 11. Um, <laughs> but, but just from that, just seeing, you know, pop music, um, all of that. And just Kylie Minogue, she was just, she was the girl that I wanted to be with at that age. And I wanted to dress like her. And, and I wanted to find out, you know, how I can create that style and, and play around with it. I think music and fashion are influences that go hand in hand, and maybe we'll even touch on that a little bit as we uh, as we discuss dressing celebrities. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> so, with the stylist box, can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it has, like how you, like you dress celebrities? So, how do how does that work for you? Yeah, so Stylist Box, we're now in our fifth year. Um, basically, what we do is we house designer samples in our showroom, and they're available for the magazine editors, uh, fashion styles to come uh, borrow samples for photo shoots, um, editorials, music videos, yeah. and uh, and also we dress celebrities um, for various red carpets that happen throughout the year. During, uh, during the Toronto International Film Festival, we house a pop-up styling lounge called the Stylist Suite. So we have about... Um, you know, anywhere from 80 to 100 celebrities who are walking the red carpet. They come in, they get styled, we, they pick out outfits for all the various events that they're going, um, you know, press junkets, that kind of thing. And, um, and they walk out wearing, looking fabulous, all these different Canadian designer outfits. I love that. I love that you do that showroom during TIFF because it's really helping put so many Canadian designers on the international map as TIFF has grown in, mm-hmm. you know, international exposure and whatnot, Definitely. which is which is a nice segue. I want to we'll circle back to the stylist box, but talking about the red carpet at TIFF, when I think of dressing celebrities and and the red carpet, the Oscars you know, it's kind of top of mind. Like Mm -hmm. I can't help thinking about it without thinking of the Oscars. And looking back at the history of the red carpet and the Oscars, I was very amused to learn that in 1979, Regis Mm -hmm. Philman, longtime host of Regis and Kathy Lee and then Kelly and New York, you know, for those of us old enough to remember those, (laughs) those shows, he was the first red carpet host of the Oscar pre-show which I thought was totally funny. Yeah, and I don't think, and, and that back then also, um, I don't think they really talked so much about what people were wearing. 
No, I think you're, I think you're probably right. Because as I looked through the history, it wasn't until 10 years later in 89, that both MTV and Movie Time, which became E, Mm -hmm. um, they were the the red carpet pre-shows that focused on fashion. And I think it's incredibly interesting. And I think Canada needs a big shout out for this because I can't imagine that in 89, they would do Oscar pre-shows focused on fashion were it not for fashion television by our iconic Wonder Woman, Jeannie Becker and Jay Levine, who did fashion television for so long because it started in 1985. Oh, absolutely. That's a huge, huge part of Canadian culture, fashion culture as well. And the 80s, you know, with its booming economy and MTV being born and music videos and film and television becoming more of a producer of culture as opposed to a reflector of culture. It just, it made sense to me that fashion as entertainment and just an interest in fashion in general would rise in the 80s into the 90s. Oh, definitely. And even if you go, if you think it was um, Joan Rivers on E. Oh, for sure. Right? So fashion police, um, <laughs> you know, who are you wearing? Um, so I think it was uh, around 1994 where she did the very first red carpet for E! News and basically just asking what people were was wearing. Was she the first to do that, to really kind of drum, drum home the question, who are you wearing, what are you wearing, what are you wearing? Yep. But it was it was who are you wearing? It right. wasn't what are you wearing, which is you know more grammatically correct. Yeah. <laughs> who are you wearing? And um and and it, that really like that that essentially turned the red carpet into a runway. It made it into entertainment. Um, you know if you th- if you think especially the nineties, like you you've got the kind of the grunge influence. You oh, had yeah. you know Bjork on the red carpet in the swan dress, like. What an iconic, amazing moment. You know, you had Drew Barrymore with her, like, tiny, tiny, tiny little thin eyebrows and, like, the spaghetti strap oh, dresses. Oh, totally. And the little uh, the daisies. The flower, yeah. <laughs> the flower in her hair. Like, those, those are iconic. You know, if you think, oh, gosh, like, Brad Pitt and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. There was yep. also Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Oh, and that chartreuse dress with yes. the embroidery down the side. Yeah, yeah. That, was, um, that was a major red carpet moment. And that dress, um, I think Joan Rivers, because she was so bold and opinionated about what she thought of people's red carpet dresses, she actually, everybody was like, oh, she looks, Nicole Kidman looks amazing. Look at her. She's so yeah. statuesque. She's so beautiful. Um, this is like essentially the it couple. And then Joan says something about how she thought it was an ugly dress. Ah! And then from that moment, that's when it's, the celebrity's like, well, wait a second. I don't want to be, like, I want to be sure that I look good on that red carpet. I don't want to be on the worst dressed list. I want to be on the best dressed list. Uh, and was Joan Rivers one of the first to start the re- the, the best dressed, worst dressed trend as well? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. No, I think she probably helped people be a little bit more aware of what they were wearing. Um, but it was the magazines afterwards. Um, people magazine was probably the first to cover the red carpets. Ah. And that would have been, I think, in the 1970s. Right, right, So right. then, you know, obviously the red carpets happened. It's not as instant. Like nowadays, somebody's on the red carpet. You can see that within like 10 oh, seconds. Totally. If not instantly with live live Facebook, live Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um but um, but you would you would have to wait until that magazine came out. So it could be you know a couple months, or even if it's newspaper, it could have been a week after. Um, so there's a little bit of time to edit through all of those photos. Where now, with social media, oh yes, like there's everybody's no editing. A, everybody's a critic <laughs> as well. So it's you know 
you could just you know instantly tweet something. Oh, I hated that dress on so and so. Or you can say, you know, oh, you know, their her hemline is too short, or you know, it makes her look fat, which is like a big thing, especially celebrities. Like, there's one thing. It's like you do not want anybody. You don't want to look bigger. You you want to yeah. you want to look skinnier. You want to look refined and elegant. And I think that's kind of the thing now. Is like a lot of the red carpets. They're kind of they're kind of boring because everybody's kind of come. You know, they know what looks good. It's the standard kind of you know. You know, almost like a mermaid kind of shape dress. Yeah. A lot of times it's strapless, beautiful, simple jewelry. It's all, you know, like that nice classic Hollywood of like the 1950s. Like yeah. that kind of glamour, but understated as well. I was looking at some of the pictures from the Con Film Fest red carpet this morning, and I was noticing how huge a lot of the gowns were, like the oh, skirts, I love. which the I Con love. The Con Film Festival, oh, the red carpet is so... See, see that's also, I think as well... Con Film Festival because it's in France mm-hmm. and it's not so much North American audience that's paying attention to the Con Film Festival. That's when you can see a lot of fashion forward outfits being shown on the red carpet. You know, there's some people that are taking risks. I think was it Kendall or Kylie Jenner was wearing the, the long, this bl- long black elaborate top with cut off jean shorts. Oh, yeah. So, so it's a fashion risk. Yeah, <laughs> not not exactly my cup of tea. Yeah, but it's definitely a risk. Um, but there's some beautiful statements um, that are made during the Con Film Festival. It made me actually curious about whether the the carpet was physically larger, like if there was actually more room. For oh, it is. It's dresses. a wide. It's, it's a wider a carpet. Wider carpet, and I think that's another kind of thing to think about too. Is when you're selecting what kind of gown you're going to wear, how opulent can it be? And also, how many seats are you going to have in that movie theater? Well, seriously, (laughs) right? Are you going to have a little blanket on top of the other two people on either side of you? Um, The other thing, just circling back to the Oscars that I thought was important, was um, Barbara Walters used to do her pre-Oscar interviews. Yes, I love those. And when those, I know I loved those too. And when those ended in 2011, that's when the broadcasters took that as the opportunity to make the red carpet preview 90 minutes as opposed to just 30. So all of a sudden now we have 90 minutes of programming around what people are wearing and maybe talk about the movies. But <laughs> yeah, and it, right. it's a lot. And it's, it's you know, you're, you're seeing there, there are more celebrities on the red carpet now than ever. Actually, I feel that there's, there are more celebrities now than there ever was before. Um, and yet you see, you know, from the smaller stars that may not even be nominated, you know, they're the first to kind of arrive. So whenever there's red carpet, there's a red carpet schedule. Right. So they... Essentially, you know, there's a hierarchy of the most important people are going to be the ones who are generally going to arrive closer to the beginning of the actual event, whereas the lesser knowns are going to come a little bit earlier. Yeah. And it kind of like tears in and then you get it's like, oh, so-and-so's here. Oh, so-and-so was here. And as a red carpet reporter, you probably see, you know, you've got you know all these different um, news outlets who just want to get, you know, 30 seconds with. You know. Oh, and they're packed in like sardines. Yeah. So then yeah. you're just like, and you see, you see what what's interesting now is like you've got live feeds, you've got um, the pre-programmed, um, you've got even like live video where you can actually see how the hosts, they're, you know, they've got their finger to their ear saying, talk, while they're talking to somebody saying, so who are you wearing? And then in the meantime, they're actually not really listening to what they're saying because they're listening who's coming next. Right. So then right, they're like, right. okay, yeah, really great to see you, Julia Roberts. Good. Push <laughs> it to the side. Hi, Jennifer Lawrence. How's it going? Um, 
so it's a lot of this rush and trying to make sure that they get those red, you know, get those celebrities, get those quick little, you know, sound bites and, and clips. So what does a celebrity think about when they are choosing their red carpet dress? Like, is it really just about how I feel in the moment or are there other considerations that they'll have when they're deciding what to wear? And I shouldn't say what they're deciding what to wear. There's often a team of people like who helps, oh, who helps absolutely. choose? Yeah. So, so a lot of celebrities, so, so the moment, obviously, you know, you're waiting, you hear the buzz and you kind of hear the in- industry gossip. It's like, oh, you looks like you're probably going to be nominated. Um, so, so a celebrity may even do, you know, they have their team together, that kind of thing. And as soon as the announcement of who's nominated for which award has announced, that's when everybody goes into full force. So generally, a celebrity will hire a stylist. And that mm-hmm. stylist could be making anywhere from 1500 to about $5,000 per day. Wow. Um, you know, obviously, these are top top celebrity fashion stylists. Yep. They have the contacts and the relationships with all the top fashion houses around the globe, um, with the showrooms. You know, they may have personal relationships. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, talking to the celebrity, essentially. It's like, what kind of look do you want for the red carpet? What essentially do you want people to think of you? Right. So it's more like what kind of image? So this could even be worked in. And I've had celebrities who've come in before as well where, you know, they try things on and they want to ensure that they're getting feedback from their manager, their agent, and their publicist. Wow. So it's not just the stylist or even the fashion house as well. So there's a lot of people who have a lot to say. So sometimes the process can be a little bit delayed. It really depends on, you know, the celebrity as well. And um, and then from there, the, the, the stylist essentially just calls up fashion houses and said, this is the kind of thing that we're looking for. Um, they may go through the lookbooks. They may talk to the designer perhaps about getting, you know, depending if it's a really A-lister who, you know, if let's say it's somebody who's been nominated for Best Actress Award, and uh, they may even get something bespoke, custom made for them or Which something. Which is very that may, special. Oh, absolutely. And you know you've, you've made it one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's also, the, there's so many other different factors that come into play too, because if you think of Jennifer Lawrence, she's had, I believe it's for the past few years, I think think it's ending this year, but she has a contract with Dior. Mm-hmm. So within that contract, generally, um, not to say that I know the ins and outs of this particular one, yeah. um, but the contract with somebody, you know, a fashion house like Dior would be you would do X amount of ad campaigns, commercial, and also tied into this agreement um, is that you're going to give us the Oscar red carpet, you're going to give us the Golden Globes red carpet. So they would specify the red carpets. Yes. That so sense. then yeah, that would way. be drawn into the contract and then that celebrity is bound to wear that dress. So then that could be one of the scenarios where they are actually getting a bespoke dress made right. custom just for them. So we have the celebrities that are, uh, I don't want to say pigeonholed by their atelier contracts, but, you know, are, are have that restriction. But let's say I'm a celebrity who doesn't have one of those relationships. Am I thinking about the films that I might have coming up or roles that I want to play when I'm dressing for a red carpet? Like, does it have that kind of influence even on future projects now, do you think? Yeah, I, I think that it definitely does. And especially as an actress, you know, if you know that there's a role available that you're pitching yourself for, mm-hmm. um, then you may want to, in certain ways, emulate what that role is. And I, I always bring up Madonna as a prime example. Like she she petitioned and campaigned so hard to get the um, to get the role of Evita. And a big oh, part of yeah. her image transformation was becoming, you know, 
Evita in so many ways. And uh, I think that was over like a, a few, good few years. She even did that in music videos as well um, with Take a Bow. And, it, you know, if you if you are campaigning for a certain role, you kind of want to morph into that so that others can kind of see you in that role. Absolutely. And then I think, you know, when I think of the red carpet as well, there are celebrities where you've really seen their style evolve or change, either from something quite safe to really coming into their own and taking more risk or the other way around where someone took a lot of risks and then became perhaps a little more safe with their with their choices what like I we were talking about Lady Gaga before we went on mm-hmm. air as being an example of that what what happens what are some of the reasons where a, a celebrity will take a 180 with their style sometimes that way on the red carpet well it could be a big thing if you look at Scarlett Johansson as, as a really great example so when she first came onto the scene she didn't necessarily know what she was doing she you know she probably at that stage wouldn't have she would not have been able to afford to hire a stylist for her right. so she was essentially styling herself and you kind of see that as well um, through the 90s you know people like Drew Barrymore for example um, Gwyneth Paltrow even oh yeah so a lot of like the 90s are actually a perfect example just to kind of see the the evolution of you know style on the red carpet um, so it really just you know when you get to a certain level then suddenly all these opportunities come to you you have have, you know, the studio, a lot of times it's actually the studios, not the personality, not the celebrity themselves that's paying for the stylist and for their right, hair and makeup team. Right, right, So, so the celebrities essentially are not paying for any of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lucky them. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, when you get to a certain level, that's when, you know, you can see that style change and it, and it morphs. Like, as Lady Gaga, as a prime example, you know, when she first came and um, onto the scene, everybody's like, who's this crazy girl? Yeah. But she had such an amazing team behind her. Like, they were so innovative. Anything that she wore, like, there was reason behind it. And so and it avant-garde. Yeah. yeah. But it was also, you know, like, a lot of people's like, what is she wearing? But it's also like, oh, I kind of, like, okay, that's neat. Like, she's doing something different. And she was so exciting to see what is Lady Gaga going to wear on the red carpet because she made fashion exciting again. Yeah. She made red carpets exciting again. And then, of course, whatever happened with the team, everybody dissipated, moved on to different projects. And then she was still trying to keep that style, but it was almost as though perhaps with somebody new on her team, she didn't keep that same excitement. She kind of lost it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she got into the jazz kind of with Tony Bennett, that that whole CD and yep. and getting more serious into the acting side of things too. And then you've seen her style evolve where it's more refined. And it's not as like crazy out there avant-garde. It's very, it's very refined. And she's actually kind of fallen into the whole boring red carpet. Sadness. I know. <laughs> Although I guess you could you could spin it and say that as she has matured, her red carpet choices got boring and matured. I mean, <laughs> but then I well, think Cher Cher is not Cher while she matured did not get boring on the red carpet. Oh no, we love Cher. Everybody loves Cher. I mean, think of think of the eighties, Bob Mackie, like all those oh. outfits, the head pieces, the sheerness. Oh, she was amazing. She was fantastic. Um I think also, you know, Celine Dion. Yeah. From a red carpet. You know, she wore that the white backwards tuxedo. Yeah, with the there's fedora. Always, yeah. So there's I always find, you know, Celine Dion not that I like I may not necessarily be a 
be a personal fan of of her style, but she's got that style. There's something a little bit quirky and quirky about it. Mm-hmm. And anytime you see her wearing something, there's always, it's always there's like oh, something a little different. Well, but it's always the, her. At like, the that Billboard Awards just this past Sunday, mm-hmm. she had those enormous yeah. sleeves with like a bit of a plunging neckline with some silver kind of like around her abdomen area like you're right it does have yeah. that kind of work yeah it's, it's quirky it's st- like a stylish it may not necessarily be trendy and what everybody else is wearing but it's her like it's her style and you can see that definitely and is that something that celebrities that is to a celebrity's advantage is that whenever they go out on the red carpet regardless of the actual like style of the garment that you can see their style within the within what they've chosen to wear I always feel those are the best, you know, th- those are the celebrities that I want to see. I, d- I don't want to, you know, Tilda Swin- Swinton, mm. every single time, you know, she, she, you know, impeccable style. Grace, like she's got that beautiful, alien-like, angelic quality yeah, about her as regal, well. practically, yeah. yeah. So just when she steps on the red carpet, it's like, I want to see what she's wearing. Because whatever it may be, it's always something a little bit different and very European fashion sense um, and she, she really pushes it forward and that's her personal style whereas you see a lot of the young starlets now they've got so many people that are saying you should wear this this is the dress you should wear and then they're just saying okay yeah you know in a lot of ways that I don't feel until they get to a certain point in their career I feel that they don't know that they can speak up to say no I don't want to wear this right like, I want to wear what I want to wear like, look at Hel- Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. I don't think she's ever listened to anything. It's amazing. <laughs> I love, like, she's fun. Red carpet. Anytime anytime she's coming, she's like, okay, what crazy outfit is Helena Yeah, is <laughs> what is Carter? she going to walk is down she, in? Is she going to be wearing matching shoes this time? Well, so when I fun. think back to the 2017, or I guess it would be the 2016 Oscars that we watched in 2017, um, when I think of the dresses that made an impact to me on that red carpet, I think of Joelle Monet. Oh, absolutely. Ellie Saab. That was Ellie Saab. Was it Ellie Saab? Yeah. Yeah, and I think she's she's just her evolution, if you think, for style. She's a perfect example. You know, when she first came out um, with her first album, like a few years ago, four years ago, um, only ever wore black and white, and it was it was a tuxedo. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's the only thing that you would ever see her wearing was a tuxedo. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's making a statement. Um, but now you see as she, she's venturing away from the music and getting more into into movies. So now she's she really, like, she's wearing dresses. Um, and again, but they're all, they're still black, black and white. Black and white. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Even, like, her Golden Globe dress as well with, yeah, the, with the polka, polka dots. dots. Yep. Really fun. Um and she's just she's just gorgeous. She's just great. oh she's like she's she's definitely one to watch. And you know she's still taking risks um, as well, which you know I I don't think a lot of people got her dress that she wore to the Oscars. Um, but that's just I think she looked fantastic. She looked beautiful. Well, and it makes me like as you were talking about how Madonna campaigned for the role of Evita and really made an effort in her red carpet appearances to get people thinking that she could be that. The Joelle Monet move from tuxedos to like not just dresses, but like gowns yeah. <laughs> with tulle and beading. Like that to me 
looks like she's making a very strong statement of I am moving into this other profession mm-hmm. as well. Like if the tuxedos were me as a musician, this is me as an actress and you better take me seriously because yeah. I am here. Absolutely. And she's good. Oh, Hidden she's Figures was good. so good. It was so, so, so good. <laughs> um, and I just think it's it's it must be such a part of the identity of the celebrity when they for dressing like it must be a bizarre amount of pressure like when you've seen people come into the stylist box is it always like I imagine it's like rainbows and unicorns and so much fun <laughs> for everybody <laughs> well I, th- I think one of the things with 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 us is that we are restricted by the samples and the designers that we're working with um, if somebody does come in and they've got a certain event coming up you know we're very familiar with the events and what you know what constitutes full length versus cocktail or something mm-hmm. a little bit more fashion forward. Um, and we work with, come in, go through the racks and pick, you know, what we kind of, I, I let the celebrities go, go through and pick first yep. what they want to try on. And then from there, we'll, we'll kind of see, okay, let's try this. And then, and then see how, you know, t- see if we can take them out of their comfort zone a little bit too. Um, fits, obviously, everything has has to has fit to be absolutely perfectly impeccable. Um, I think um, you know, in rare occasions, we will contact designers and they will make something custom. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie Hampton, for example, Penny Alexiak um, came in, and you know, she's Olympic um, gold winning, like four four time gold winning, and she's Olympian like a gorgeous swimmer. six foot like she's six foot two, if not six foot four, like she's tall. And a lot of a lot of the gowns, like they were just too short. Yeah. Um, there was a beautiful one she tried on from Christopher Ponell, but it was black. And I was just like, I'm like, oh, I just I just feel like you're you're 16. Yeah. You know, and like, I want you to to, you know, be that 16 year old. Um, and then she had tried on it was too short a dress um, from Leslie Hampton. And it was a beautiful aqua for the um, screen awards. Flowers. The Canadian, yeah, Canadian awards. sorry. Yeah. Canadian Screen Awards. She looked just gorgeous happened. in that. And Leslie Hampton made her custom gown to the floor just for her. And she presented on air with uh, with Jason, Jason Priestley. And it was also one of those magical moments, too, because that was her first red carpet. Because she's so used to just, you know, sports, Yeah, the Olympics don't have a red events. carpet yet, blessedly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it was just, it was, you know, you saw... E.T. Canada asked, who are you wearing? Um, and uh, E.Talk asked, you know, Ben Mulroney like, yeah. so who are you wearing? So so for her, those are major moments for her. Like as a 16-year-old, can you imagine you getting a custom-made gown oh, and you're walking so right the carpet, you're, you're on, you know, on the stage presenting with Jason Priestley. It's amazing. Well, and there's two, two things about that dress and that relationship that I want to ask you about because I remember seeing, I got to be at the Screen Awards and saw her um, yeah. when she presented and the dress looked so beautiful on her and I remember thinking that it was such an intelligent choice as well because I thought it sort of gave a nod to who she was, like this beautiful aqua watercolor mm-hmm. dress that kind of had... um palettes on it that had that uh it reminded me a little bit of um uh Marion Coutard's dress that she wore the white with like the scallop palettes on it like it has kind of like a I don't want to say an aqua quality to it because that's putting too fine a point on it but it had a very kind of liquid it was just feel to it you know what I mean it was just it was beautiful beautifully made I think proportion wise everything it just she she looked stunning I think it was it was it was really that was a great collaboration I loved working on that one and what did it mean for Leslie to have Penny Alexiak wear 
her gown? Like, what does it mean for the designer, especially if they're an emerging or up and coming mm-hmm. designer to have their their gowns on the red carpet? Yeah, well, Leslie's only had her collection now um, for about two years, and she's only just recently graduated from George Brown College. Amazing! So she she One is to watch, definitely people. oh, like she she's on fire. She she's nonstop right now. Um, but but for somebody, especially you know, emerging designer, to have your dress seen by millions across Canada, you know, it was in Hello Canada as well. You've got you know eTalk and ET Canada, um, all the other news outlets that are covering that red carpet and like all the eyes on that dress. Yeah. Um. You know, and of course, like all of Penny's fans too. So you're so not just the entertainment fashion world. You're also getting a new customer base. Yeah. To you know, knowing about your brand and your fashion brand. And, um, and and that's a huge opportunity. I think of when we were talking about Joelle and her Ellie Saab dress, it reminded me of when Halle Berry wore an Ellie Saab dress when she won her Best Actress Oscar, Award. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a coming out for Ellie Saab as well, was it not? Like, was she a... Was, that a very well-known label at that time? I don't I have think a so. That feeling was around... It was kind of, what year would that have been? Around like two thousand, like two thousand, two thousand, wow. sometime between two thousand two thousand and three. Yeah, I so, say. somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I don't, I don't, because I don't think I really had paid attention to Ali Saab until that moment. Yeah. And I work in fashion, so and it was a gorgeous, like oh, that was wine colored dress with the embroidery and whatnot. It was yeah. stunning, gorgeous. Um, in terms of, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. So if we're looking at what it means for designers to have their pieces on the red carpet, is that part of how the whole business of the red carpet happened? Like where people started to say, like, I feel like there was a convergence of things that allowed for people to start to say, you know what, there can be monies exchanged for this. Yeah. And this is essentially the biggest walking, you know, red carpets, especially the Oscars, Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. Like these are the ones where the majority of people around the world are watching. And one of the key things now is who are you wearing? And as a brand, you know, obviously if you've got the money and you can throw, you know, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to Anne Hathaway to wear your dress or, you know, a piece of your jewelry on the red carpet, then that's a great opportunity for you as a brand to be seen. And then it's also really great for for the celebrities. I'm I'm not I'm not I know some people are gonna knock um the fact yeah. that they're getting paid to wear it and I say why not? This is a business and when they're walking down that red carpet, it's a huge part of their career and it is their job and why not make it a business interaction at the same time? Well and it sounds from what I understand that still it's not completely transparent. It's still sort of a polarizing, like spoken, unspoken issue. The whole exchange, the whole sponsoring of yeah. red carpet outfits, shall yeah. we say. And that, I'm not sure how that may change if you see the whole um, you know, introduction recently, especially with uh, you know, Instagram ads and sponsorships, you know, the Kardashians being like the big, big yeah, ones that yeah, we're all yeah. looking at is when you are f- receiving free product or getting paid, then you must... Um, announce that. Yeah. So I don't know how that's actually all those regulations that are going to come into play for oh, the red carpet. Oh, that's a Is good that question. actually going to affect the red carpet? Yeah. Are celebrities now going to have to, you know, is it a pub- their publicist going, going to have to send out a release saying so-and-so is wearing this dress and they got paid to wear it? I'm sure there will be people that think it should be, but yeah. 
I don't know. Who's going to enforce question. that as well? Yeah. Well, that's a whole other, <laughs> the governance of that's a whole other thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just think it's, you know, the red carpet, it's certainly not going anywhere. And as our access to it becomes more and more immediate, I think. Yeah. I, I what do you kind think? of, I kind of feel that it's, it's gotten boring. Um, you know, when, when you get to the, when you get to the point when there's a manicam, yeah, <laughs> and when there's the 360 rotation, it kind of it it downplays it. it. It takes away the glamour, and it it just it makes it feel like it is commercial, and it's not the fun, the fun you know, like red carpet and glamour and all that beautifulness that we want to see. And it's it's more. I, I feel it's going to be more about the personalities and what people are doing. Jennifer Lawrence is a perfect example. Right. If you see, you know, she's like falling in her Dior dress. Yeah, yeah. You know, going up the steps. <laughs> you know, she's like interrupting um, Taylor Swift um, before. Like, so all those those kooky kind of things are working for her. Yeah. Um, and I think that gets people talking more. So it's it's more so it's like how do you get people, if you've got, you know, 100 celebrities walking down the red carpet, everywhere everybody's wearing an equally beautiful dress with equally beautiful hair and makeup, how do you stand out? And I think a lot of a lot of ways, and the only way to do that really is to let your personality shine. That's a good point. Where do you think we're going to see the, you know, Lady Gaga egg dresses of yore? Is there are we going to see celebrities dressing that way again? Do you think is it going to be like? Do you think we're going to start to see different events where people come out of their fashion shells? A little bit. The pendulum's got to swing at some point, Yeah, and it's also, like, the Met Gala was supposed to be that. Yeah. Like, the Met Gala is supposed to be the one that inspires us. That's the one that's supposed to take us to this magical fantasy fashion world where we're just like, wow, look at that. Like, that's just incredible. Look what so-and-so is wearing. And this, like, even if you look the past couple of years, it's just the same kind of thing. And And it's the same sense of... This is really boring. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, there are very few people during the Met Gala who actually, like, pulled the stops out. And I think Rihanna, who was oh. one of the very few people who actually wore Comme de Garçon yeah. um, to the Met Gala this year, was really the only one who really was spot on, fashion forward, having fun with it, you know, not giving an F, and um, and, and really showing, it's like, this is fashion. Like, obviously, anybody who's with, not within the fashion industry or understands why yeah. she wore that would make fun of that but um but rihanna definitely is one person to take a look at what she wears on the red carpet who who do you think are going to be some canadian designers we start to see more of on the red carpet oh well definitely greta constantine oh they're killing you know? it and right i think now. like you just those boys they've been around for 10 years probably the hardest working fashion designers you know one of the fashion mm. i think all fashion designers are hard working oh, full stop <laughs> all fashion designers are Insanely hardworking, working twenty four seven. It's probably the hardest, hardest thing, and and um, and I think you know they've they've put their time in, and and they they really have built a fantastic brand. Um, I'd love to see more Lucien Matisse. Mm. Like he is one of the most talented designers that I've ever worked with. Um, incomparable ta- talent. He's you know that word genius I know we throw around yeah um he's yeah he's just incredible I would love to see more of Evan Bedell I think he also is one of those designers where I feel like if 
Honestly, if I was like a rich socialite and I had the money, I would fund him <laughs> because he is not a, like he's personality first. Oh, one hundred percent. He is. He's got a vision that is so different from everybody else. And I and just even if you remember um, Project Runway Canada, which he won. Um, like when he came out, everybody was just like Evan Bedell, like he's the future of Canadian fashion. Yeah. Because it really was taking Canadian fashion to a different level. And it was, it was, you know, he was compared to, not to compare, and I hate this comparison as well, but he was almost Canada's Alexander McQueen. Yeah. You know, not to say to compare the two either, but just in, in those little um, similarities, like he, he's, he's a visionary. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's how the McQueen comparison yeah, and that's how that, that came comes, about, yeah. right? Like that kind of vision beyond standard and fashion. Yeah, and and he's he's a rebel too. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't fit into like this fashion mold and like seasons and selling to like buyers and all that kind of stuff. He just wants to create. Yeah. He's an artist. He's an artist. Thanks so much for being here, Gail. Oh, Thank you so, so much, much for, for the conversation. That's great. So, final question. Mm-hmm. If you could wear any outfit for the rest of your life, I was going to say any red carpet outfit, but I feel like that <laughs> might be putting you too much on the spot. If you could wear any outfit for the rest of your life, climate notwithstanding, what would you wear? Oh, gosh. Well, I think probably the easiest would just be, you know, a pair of like nice, slim black jeans, a pair of like bedazzled brogues. Um, gotta love a good brogue. Um, yeah, just like a t-shirt and a blazer. Really, just keep it simple and that way you can still wear it to work and still go to dinner and still go out at night. Elegant and practical. Yeah. Just like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Gail. If people want to find out more about you or about the stylist box, where's the best place for them to reach you? Oh, well, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's Gail McInnes. Um, and as well, uh, stylist box on Instagram and Twitter. Lots of great stuff there. Thank you so much. And you can follow me at This Is Donna B. A big thank you to CAFA, our partner with this podcast. You can find out more about the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards at CAFA Awards. That's C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S. And thanks so much to our wonderful sound engineer, Paolo Fugiuelli. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. It really, really helps us get the words out there. And if you feel inclined, please give us a high five on iTunes. Rate and review us. That also really helps. Until next time, this is Donna Bishop at Fashion Talks.